Welcome back to another episode of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former UC basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the legendary coach, my man, Bob Huggins. And I was fortunate enough to wear the iconic Jordan brand unis during my time. Now, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. I'm on Snapchat, at Big Meach 41, and soon to be on TikTok. That's right. Now, this is the special edition of the podcast, my interview series with a very special guest. All right, Bearcats fans, I'm excited to welcome in this former Bearcat great. Played for the Bearcats from 1993 to 1994 with the legendary coach, Bob Huggins. He was a McDonald's All-American. A one-and-done at UC and was drafted number 37 to the Seattle Supersonics. Now, when I called him up about doing the interview, he was actually surprised that, that Bearcat fans remembered him and even wanted to hear from him. And little does he know that when I tweeted out He's going to be coming on the podcast and doing an interview. Bearcat fans went crazy. I'd like to welcome in number four, the Don, Dontonio Wingfield. What's up, Don? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Oh, man, I'm, I'm doing great. And you know what's so crazy is, and I told you this when I initially called you, um, being a former Bearcat player and, and being around the program for so long, like you are one of maybe three Bearcats that I don't really know very well, man. We just don't, we, we just, you were here. So you were in and out so quick going to NBA, never got a chance to, to know you, man. So it's a pleasure to talk to you. And I appreciate that. Uh, I didn't build many relationships uh, while I was there in Cincinnati outside of the team. So, uh, a lot of people don't know me. They just know of me. Right. Yep. No question. Now, I ask this um, for every former player that, that comes on the podcast. I like to ask them why they chose the number they chose. So when you came to UC, um, why did you pick that number? Was that a number you've always worn? Why did you select that number? Um, to one, the first reason was Larry Johnson. Um, I looked wow. up to Larry Davidson um, growing up. He, he and uh, Chris Weber. And also, um, you know, we came in with five freshmen. So uh, Marco, I think, was number two. Damien was number three, and I was number four. So we kind of uh, collectively uh, came up with that also. It just kind of fit. Yeah. Right, right. No, because you guys came in and as a as a fantastic class. I mean, a really hyped-up class coming to the Bearcats. Mm-hmm. Now, Don, you have a you have a very fascinating, but at the same time complicated story. And I was so excited. You know, I've done. Gosh, this is our. Actually, you're going to be the 60th episode. Um, so this is the end of season one of uh, the Bearcat Basketball Podcast, and you're you're finishing up season one. And I've interviewed a lot of former players, but when doing some research on you and kind of putting your story together, it is so fascinating and so many different parts 
to it. And I, I know we're going to kind of go through your history and I might have to jump around because it's just so, it's just so fascinating. And I know you've written a book and we're going to talk about that later. And, and I'm so happy that you're, you're to the point now where you can give back and you can tell your story. I think that's an important process that I would love to see more athletes uh, do. So with that being said, Let's start back, Don. Let's let's rewind the tape, and let let's go back to you growing up. Now you grew up in Albany, Georgia, and you were raised by your mother, uh, Gloria. Correct? Gloria, that's right. Yep. So so how was your childhood, man? Talk about that a little bit. Well, uh, my mom was a single mom. Um, my mom and my dad separated probably when I was probably third grade, um, and my mom had to work, and she also had. I had two other brothers, and I, me being the middle child is my oldest brother, um, about four years older than me, and my younger brother uh, was about 10 years um, younger than me. Mm-hmm. So we kind of had to fend for ourselves, but we all we had was each other. Uh, so my uh, older brother played basketball, so that's whatever, nat- quite naturally, whatever he was into, his younger brother is going to be into it also. Uh, sure. He was everything everything to me. He was uh, more like a father figure. So uh, um, I used to get his hand-me-downs, and I used to feel like it was the best thing in the world. <laughs> right, right. Now, what, what was your bro- older brother's name? Benatrius. Wow. What, what we called him Ben. Okay. <laughs> where'd, that, where'd that name come from? Well, I, I would know it's something that my mom and my dad probably came up with. It, it okay. wasn't no real story behind it. Well, uh, so so he was a hooper too. He was really good. Yeah, he's he's uh, all state, definitely all state, all region. Um, I'm from a small area, about eighty thousand people. So um, high school sports and middle school sports, the little league sports is everything. So. Um, 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 and, and at a young age, you don't know it's a big world outside of where you're from. And um, um, just being able to be on the local news was everything. It just went from, it just went from that type of thing, watching my brother uh, get a scholarship and just wanted to uh, be what he he had grown to be. Now, now, so, like, probably like me, um, I idolized my older brother. Um, he taught me a lot of the finer points of the game. So you as a player, did you develop your game from playing with your brother or just going to a lot of parks playing? How did you develop your game? Uh, it was several things. I always played basketball uh, um, no matter what with older older guys. And, and I learned at an early age um, my competitiveness from wanting to be better than my brother. I just had this natural thing inside of me because he was getting all the attention um, that I just wanted to be better than him. I wanted the attention that he was receiving. And that Mm -hmm. fueled me to just, um, um, I don't don't think I actually knew what it it was doing to me at the time, but... um, it just kind of fueled me to just be the best. So when you play against competition that's um, um, older or, or more refined than you, 
when you eventually play with the kids that you're supposed to play with, because I was a, a rather large kid, I can, um, I, I was ten, and people would thought I would have thought I was fifteen. So when I did get a chance, I did get a chance to play with my age group. It was it was easy, and I was um, just so much bigger and aggressive, more aggressive than my age group. And and I, that was going to be one of my questions. Were you always one of the biggest kids wherever you played at school? Oh, no question, no question. Um, I, I, I I've been the tallest guy, uh, one of the tallest guys in my school, as far as I can go back. Yeah, because because your at UC during your time at UC they had you listed at six nine, two fifty six. I'm like mm-hmm. man. And I and I, rem- I remember watching you and seeing you. I'm like, man, that's a big dude. And so you you've been a big kid your entire life. So with that being said, a lot of times as basketball players, we often pattern our game um, with players that have similar characteristics to us. So for example, me, I looked up to. Of course, I was a Michael Jordan fan, but I really patterned my game after Allen Iverson, AI, because I was shorter, long arms. You know, I wanted to kind of play that style. Who did you pattern your game after? Uh, outside of guys like Larry Johnson, Chris Weber, uh, uh, it, it was everything was rotating around my brother. Uh, mm. Whatever I felt like uh, he should have done, I used to go to. I would never miss a basketball game that my brother played in growing up. So I had to, I was like a student of his game, and it just carried. And then, you know, I could actually run and chew bubble gum at the same time at an early age. Uh, right. Being so, so large, the only place I wasn't, I was not goofy, was on the court. Outside of the court, I was a very goofy, young, childish, uh, big baby type of kid. Mm-hmm. Did you play any other sports? Uh, I played a little football uh, all the way up until eighth grade and, until, uh, like I said, being from a small city, the anticipation for um, myself and about six or seven more guys around my age getting to high school was so large, you pretty much knew who was going to be the upcoming stars from where I'm from. Mhm. Mhm. So you had a lot of attention on you going into high school, and you went to—is it Westover High School? Is that how you say it? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So you you have a lot of uh, attention going in there, and I find this fascinating. You won, and you you I don't I'd have to do some research on how many people have done this, but you won four state championships in high school. Yes. Yes. That's, that's um, unbelievable. And I know you saying I did. I was a part of four state championships. Uh, <laughs> we, yep. The program, the program was, was just excellent. Like I said, being from a small city, uh, we had four four high schools, which is might be one or two too many from where I'm from. But the talent pool was basically our city for our region. So if you survive our city, you were going to basically win the state uh, because all the talent was in mm-hmm. my city. We had we had um, um, 
better athletes in the uh, in the Atlanta. Atlanta used to be the hub, and we actually took the state championship from Atlanta to Southwest Georgia to my hometown. So I actually um, got an opportunity to play in three state championships out of the four in my hometown. And so it, and and just imagine that that's mm-hmm. everybody coming to your city and and. And, you know, it was, it was just a, it was just amazing. So on your team, besides you, were there any other players that went on to do, you know, go play Division One, make it to the NBA, play high level? Yes, I have several teammates. Guys that uh, went to Western Kentucky, uh, Mississippi State, uh, Murray State, uh, Auburn. Just, uh, just like I said, the program, the city, where I'm from, if you if you do your research, around the nineties, there was a lot of top tier basketball, high school basketball players that went on mm-hmm. to division. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, okay, um obviously we, we know what you were like with the Bearcats, but prior getting to the Bearcats, what were you like as a high school player? And and what I mean by that is you know, I've talked to, you know, several players, you know, Damon Flint, who you know very well and other former Bearcats who played a little different style in high school than than what they did in college. And, you know, sometimes you get to college and the coach needs you to do a certain thing that, that might be different than what you did in high school. But I know you are you were an all-around player. You know, what type of player were you in high school during those four years? Uh, um, luckily, I had a coach that uh, – Understood and, and and knew uh, how to let me know what I can do and what I can't do. Gave me the opportunity to to just explore my body. Uh, um, uh, just having the freedom to do different things. It just wasn't with me. It just was the way the program was built. If you had the ability to do certain things that uh, no one tried to put you in a box, mm-hmm. um, and um, and and that also helped me to you know want to go to Cincinnati and play for Hood because mm-hmm. that was one of the, one of the things that you definitely knew watching them play that you'll be able to do what you can do. Mm-hmm. Best high school game you ever played. Mm-hmm. Uh, man. I'm sure you had a lot of them, Don. Come on. To me, high school, um, looking back, is one of the most exciting moments that I, I can really say of my whole entire career. Because at that point, you're playing for the love, love of the game. The love is just so strong. So, um, sure. But I've had several high school games. Uh, uh, that it, it, you know, I don't think it's just one. I, I would have to hear someone tell me, uh, hear someone talk about it. It's kind of hard to just, you know, just kind of pick out one. Yeah, but but winning that first state championship is nothing better than that as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that first one. So, what was your role being a freshman? What was your role on that team? Uh, I was. I feel like I was. 
I'm the leading scorer, leading rebounder. Um, um, I just, it wasn't no pressure on me because there was older guy. It wasn't really no pressure. I could just come in and just, like I said, just, just play my game. And being, being, being able to uh, handle the ball, shoot the ball, in, the, in that time at my size, it was, it was a, a, a rough matchup. Mm-hmm. Now, how you talked about a second ago about playing high school basketball and how that was one of the highlights of your basketball career, just, just playing for the love. But let me ask you this, pressure in high school. Um, was there any type of pressure you felt because as you get older, obviously you're looked upon as one of you know the top three guys in the country. You're going to be a McDonald's All-American. Um, you know, it was probably a lot on your back. Um, how did you handle that? Did you feel pressure when you played? Well, uh, that's why the pressure came from. The pressure uh, wasn't on the basketball court. The pressure was uh, once you get to a certain um, expectation, um, you you look at the bigger picture and you forget about the moments that you're in, like being a teenager, like I, I never didn't really get the chance to, you know, just live to be a teenager at that time. Um, uh, you hear so many people saying you can do this, you can do that. And, and you, your ego, you, you're building the ego that um, kind of takes over if you don't have the right um, leadership Again, being not making this as no excuse, but you know, just wanting to take care of your mother made me grow up at an early age. So by this time, uh, I'm I'm thinking about the pros. You know, uh, college is is fine, college is fine, but we try to get out of certain circumstances, um, and that kind of fueled me at an early age, which, like I said. Um, the pressure was outside of the court of what was going to be the results off of this talent. Right. And where, where, where can it take me and what can it do for my family? Could it um, help, help me, help my mom not struggle? All of those things at an early age is like torture. Right. So um, I attribute being so much better than the high school players to that point because I felt like I had something to strive at. Mm-hmm. It also takes the love out of it. It makes it a business. Right. And that's where right. it is. It, yep. it became a business for me before I even reached college. Mm. Now, when you were in high school, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you had three kids while you were in high school? Right. Yeah. Right. So you, that's 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 come from this no structure, um, um, ego, and just not protecting myself. Um, there's young, just you know, just you feel like you got the whole world in your hand. And and again, those days having three kids before I even stepped foot in college. Um, actually, I had two and one on the way. Um, it, it became a business, so I. I uh, Actually, really wanted to go pro out of high school, mm. but talking to my high school coach, 
um, by my junior year, we understood that college was going to have to be something that I was going to have to do and I was going to have to start taking school more serious. Mm. I didn't really start taking school serious until probably um, maybe my junior year. Mm-hmm. And by that time, I was so far off track that I was barely making it mm. to be eligible. So um, a lot of schools uh, wanted me to come to the, the, you know, I would get all the letters, all of that type of stuff, but it, it wasn't no assurance that I was going to be um, eligible to play my freshman year. Gotcha. And by this, by this time, by this time, I had um, started going to different camps, and that's how I came across UC. And um, I met this, this guy named um, Bobby Courtson. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was Bobby Courtson. I don't. Well, you, you him. heard of Dave Crider. I know you heard of Dave Crider. I was I was, was going to bring that up in a little bit. You, I was going to bring that up. You were at the Dave Crider camp. Yes. Here at Cincinnati, right? Right. I was a little I was a little guy at that camp. You were there. Damon Flint was there. Gerald yeah, right. Gerald, Gerald Honeycutt was there, right? Yeah, and some other we we actually used to come every summer as a team also. Um our just our whole city high school, we would that during the summer we would bring a group up for camp. Mhm. And I just fell in love with Cincinnati. Uh, and at that time, Cincinnati was doing their thing. Uh, Herb Jones, you know, Nick Formation, <laughs> Corey Blunt, you know what I mean? And those yeah. guys, I saw myself in those guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I do, I'm going to, I want to come back to that, Don. I want to come back back to the recruiting process, why you chose UC. But I, I don't want to bypass this because this is very important. And that's the McDonald's All-American game. And I want to talk about mm-hmm. that because that's such a prestigious honor. You know, not a lot of, you know, athletes have, basketball players have the opportunity to play in that game. And we haven't had a lot that played in that game that have gone on and played at UC. So the McDonald's All-American game, um, at this point, you're one of the, you know, top guys in the, in the country. And I believe you're on the East roster for the McDonald's All-American game. I think Damon Flint was on your team, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you played well in that game. Damon, Rasheed, uh, Jerry Stackhouse, um, a couple of old guys. And that's still considered one of the – your class is considered one of the best classes ever. Yeah, I can believe it. Yeah, I would say I would say that too. And you guys, you guys played at the pyramid in Memphis. That's a wild. That's a wild gym. It's, it's no longer there. But what do you think about that place when you got there? I mean, you're literally walking to a pyramid. Man, yeah. And we also, I, I also played there in college. Also, we played against Memphis. So. Yep. Uh, yep. At that time, my eyes was big to every arena I went in. At that time. <laughs> Mhm. All wide eyes. So, so what what was that game like for you? I talked to Damon. I interviewed Damon Flint, and uh, we talked a little bit about that McDonald's All American game. We talked about you know just it being such a dream of playing that game, and and him being from Cincinnati, playing in that was was such a big deal for him. 
you know, for you, you being such a high-level player, accomplished, what did that game mean to you? Again, I'm from a small city, so I, I um, uh, at that time, the city was totally, you know, behind me 100%. So I felt mm-hmm. like I was representing my city, mm-hmm. my high school, my, you know, uh, uh, just being able to give my mom a better life. Like, that was that was everything. Like, I, I, that's all I thought about. Um, and by that time, I was, I had... You know, I actually graduated from a high school out of Cincinnati. I didn't graduate from Westover. I actually, after basketball season, I moved to Cincinnati mm-hmm. after I committed. And I um, finished school at Cass High School, downtown <laughs> Cincinnati. Yep, yep. For about two months. And and, and I, I thought school was rough where I'm from. <laughs> I thought school was rough until I went to TAF. You know what I mean? I, For sure. And I mean that with all due respect. I had a great experience there, um, but it was very different being from the rural south coming to an inner city. Yeah. It was, For sure. It, it was like television. It was like television. Mm-hmm. Were you Were you surprised by that when you got to Taft? What it was like and. I was. Uh, it's just being from the south. Is is I was just, and I'm not. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it was different. It was different. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was different. And and also, you know, Cincinnati going to college in Cincinnati was a big deal for the Cincinnatians. Uh, so it just was. It was just different, you know what I mean? Uh, at a young age, being like 17, you just you move to a whole other city without your parents, without your mom, no friends, no nothing. You just mm-hmm. you just winging it. So it was something I had to do. I had to study for the set to to, to take the set for the final time to pass it. Yep. I went through um, strenuous tutoring, a lot of different educational things, um, and and took the test and passed the test and from that point it just it just seemed like everything was meant to be. Graduated from town, mom came up. All all the things a a high schooler would do I had opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. From Taft, from Taft High. Yep. I'm an alumni from Taft High. Yeah, which is crazy. Most people don't know that. A lot of people <laughs> don't know that. Um I got a quick question for you, see if you can get this answer uh correct. Um, 22 guys played in a McDonald's All-American game, the game you played in. 22 guys played in it. How many of those 22 do you think went on to play at least one NBA game of the 22? Hmm. I know over 50%. Maybe 12. Close. 10. Ten of those guys went on to play at least one game in the NBA. And I always, I'm always fascinated to go back and look at the McDonald's All-American classes and see how many guys ended up in the NBA. You remember the guy that won the three-point contest that year, Chris Kingsbury? Yes. And then he go to Iowa State? He went to Iowa. He's from this area. Um, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. 
Yep, he was he was from this area. So so okay, I do want to talk about. I want to I want to kind of go back to why you chose Cincinnati. Now, I'm sure you were getting like you said letters from from all different schools. Um, how did you narrow it down to your top three, and why did you choose Cincinnati? Now, in 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 the perfect world, I love LSU and UNLV. Um, I like Shaq and I like Larry Johnson. And <laughs> right, right. But by my junior year, I had already known what what I was. What what were my choices? Either go pro or I was going to go to Cincinnati. It, it wasn't no no if as buts about it because, like I said, I I at that time I. It wasn't sure if I was going to qualify, mm-hmm. but um, Larry Harrison was recruiting me, and he just stuck by me, and it just like he just he just stayed on me, and just just found opportunities for me to better myself, and and it just it was just impressive. The, uh, Larry Harrison really was a good good recruiter, great person. Larry's a great yeah. dude. Do you still do you still speak with uh, Coach Harrison at all? You heard from him? I do, I do. Um, I work with um, a few kids. I've traveled to West Virginia to all, all types of things. No question. Uh, those are precious relationships. When when I get around those guys, I kind of just I don't I don't I, I just I think about a lot of different things when I get around. Them. Even though our relationship wasn't that long, but it, it, they're very impressionable people that's been in my life. Yeah, for sure. Now, my my next question is this: So your your sign still deli- uh, delivered to University of Cincinnati. You're getting ready to start your first season, and you kind of know in the back of your mind you're going to play, and then you know hopefully go to the NBA. But let me ask you this: I was thinking about you as I'm a huge Mike Tyson fan. I think Mike Tyson has one of the most fascinating stories in sports history, and I've read his book. I've watched tons of interviews on his mindset, and he said something in an interview. Don, that I just, I just, it's, it strikes me, and I, I wonder if at any point that you felt this way. Um, now I know you have an ultimate confidence in you as a person, and when you played, that was evident the way you played. But Mike Tyson once said that at the height of his career, okay, the whole world was watching boxing. This is back when boxing obviously was was one of the biggest sports in the world. Um, <clears throat> At the height of his career, he said he just really didn't understand the moment. He didn't realize how good he was, and he didn't realize people feared him. He said that he would go to the ring in the fight as he's walking to the ring, and he would be scared to death. He was going to be scared to death that he was going to be, and he just didn't have that confidence in himself. Now, you being a monstrous athlete, dominant on the court, did you ever feel that way, or did you always have that ultimate confidence, Don? Again, again, uh, um, if it weren't for basketball, I don't think I would even have the communication skills. I didn't have any communication skills. People just liked me because of basketball. Like, um, people didn't know me. They knew of me. So I didn't have – I'm just – just wasn't a very sociable person outside of basketball. I just felt basketball took me to a different place from where I was from, and I was just different. I just felt different. 
didn't have anything to do. I just didn't. I just you just have to warm up to me. It just, it just wasn't easy. And you have ultimate goals. I'm having goals. I have I, all I'm thinking about is the NBA at day. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking I'm better than what I really am because that's mm-hmm. what I've been hearing. Mm-hmm. If you if you hear your peers where you from, and you this you that you you soaking that in. Mm-hmm. You're soaking that in. So um, I never was in Cincinnati long enough for the guidance to grab me. You know what I mean? I wasn't there for the basketball season. Yeah. Um, and when the sooner the season was over, I, you know, I separated myself from the team because I felt like I had ultimate goal. And if I would have had one, if I would have just waited on Hugs to come back from the tournament, one day, he he possibly could have talked me out of going mm. on to declare. Mm. But the day he he was gone. Mm. I, I went ahead and signed the papers. Mm. Uh, hey, now we're gonna get to that. We're gonna, that's that's good stuff right there because I did not know that. I, I do want to talk about that. But I, I want to let, let's dive through this. Um, let's really dive into this career you had with UC, even though it was short. Um, I think it was very very important in the landscape of of hugs and the, and the time he was here. Um, so you get here your first year. Um, and you play with some some you, like I said you come in with a great class but you're also playing with some great players Lizelle Durden Darnell Burton um, Curtis Bostic Damon Flint um, how'd you feel getting there being you know a high level player as a freshman knowing you're gonna play a lot you're gonna dominate um, how did you adapt to your teammates uh it was it was cool because most of the guys uh, are. We are one and the same. We're all from just different areas. We just we're all the same type of young people. But we all, I'm sure, I, I did. Speaking for myself, I had an ulterior motive to go to the NBA. I don't know how anybody else felt. My, I know what I felt from coming from winning my third state championship. That I'm, 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 I'm gonna go to the NBA and get the get there as soon as possible mm-hmm. to be able to take care of my mother. And, and um, I just didn't give it a chance. I, I, you know what I mean? I was head stuck on what I was there for. So it, it's hard to, it's hard to, to manage relationships when you're thinking like that. And it's a whole nother process outside of what you're in this process to do. You got a whole nother process going. So I, I actually would say, I actually kind of cheated the guys, you know, um, as I look at the mature me, because we could have did some great things. I mean, mm-hmm. national championship is no way we wouldn't have won that. Championship. Mm. Mm. I say, mm-hmm. Mm. I like so, to hear that. Um, but how about, uh, how, about the, how about the practices for you? You know, Don, you you go every every former player talks about the legendary Bob Huggins practices. You know, three hours long, three to six. They're intense. He's yelling and screaming. How did you deal with that initially? Uh, I'm from a I'm from a a coach that's laid back black guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, strong black man, laid back, you know, um, 
uh, he's a he's like a shielder. He but he give you a leash type of you know. But going to Huggins it was it, it was it was just different. It was something that I just wasn't I was not used to. But all in all, no matter when he yell at you, it's just something about hugs. You know he really cared. And that was like one of the my first experiences ever having mean a person like that. No matter how much they yell at you, you know they love you. And I'm a sensitive person. Mm-hmm. I'm a very sensitive person. So how do you know that? Okay, so explain that to the listeners. How do you know a man yelling at you really, really cares? Like, how do you know that, Don? Because when you, when he, when you, when you and that guy are in the moment of a conversation, no matter what you've been through, when you have that one-on-one with that person, he look you in your eyes, you can see it. Mm. You can, you can, mm-hmm. you can, I can look in his eyes and be like, man, it's, yeah, asshole, but he cares. You know what I mean? He cares. <laughs> no, you're you're spot on. I totally agree. You know what I mean? It's just in the eyes. It's like if it it ain't real. If you always can explain it, it's just it's a feeling. Yep, yep, yep. I and totally I still get that feeling today. And 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 at my highest moments, and even at my lowest moments, when I hug was there for me, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, definitely. Um, so what was Hugs most hard on you about? And I've talked to the, some of the former players I've talked to, Hugs was hard on them about different aspects of their game. What was he most hard on you about? I don't think he, he didn't, I, I don't think I knew exactly how, how good or how, how good I was. Like he, he just, wouldn't let me just be good. He wanted me to be great. I can just like because it, mm-hmm. it, I could never understand why. I don't think he always thought I played hard. You know, I don't. I don't know. I, these are just things I feel. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm 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 just not. I'm not really dealing with a yeller. You know, and um, um, then but that's his tactic. You know. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it don't. When it didn't work, we would clash. When it worked, then, you know, it was okay. Right. Well, that, so it was a lot of anticipation for your first game, man. People were so excited for your first game as a Bearcat, coming in with so much hype. And, and it's not all the time that a player that has so much hype lives up to that hype, like, right off the bat. And you did that, Don. That game against Butler, in which you had 30 and 12, right off the bat, broke Oscar Robertson, who everyone looks at Oscar as the greatest Bearcat of all time. He just came in and beat that record. How'd you feel going into that? Did you just have that feeling going into that game versus Butler? I'm about to show out. I'm prepared. I'm ready. Uh, again, like, and, and I know I, I keep saying the same thing. Like, I, I, I now go back and try to get those moments. I try to go back and be like, man, what was I thinking at that time? But at that time, all I was thinking was I'm going to, I got to go to the next level. Like I got to, I got to get my mom. I'm, 
I'm 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 just not I'm I'm just not right. I'm just not right. My I'm not enjoying the moments. I tell you that much. I'm not enjoying. I'm, I'm more thinking like let's go, let's go, let's go. Everything just like pressure, self-inflicted, mm. mm-hmm. self-inflicted. And, and and at that time you're you're not going. You're you're not honing your talents. You're just raw. You know what I mean. And I, I miss the opportunity to 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 learn from her, learn the discipline and all of that, I, I tried to skip over that process. Hmm. So I'm think, I'm I'm not in the moment. Like yeah. I said, I'm not I'm just not really there. It's it's cool, but I'm just not in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's not in it's, it's it's not NCA for me. It's not getting to the state it's not getting to the championship game or the NCAA. It's not that for me. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. getting to the NBA. I'm I'm gonna be gone after these thirty thirty two some games, you know. I'm gone. Like it just, I'm just not. It, I'm just not there for the same reason other people are probably there for. Right. And I'm sure that it's other people that felt the same way I felt in the same position, but just haven't talked about. Mm-hmm. So what do you? So what do you? What was your mindset? What do you think happened between you go that that Butler game with thirty and twelve? And then you go, you guys go at North Carolina. Now, here's you talk about playing at the next level in the NBA. Here's a great stage and spotlight. You guys are playing North Carolina. You're about to go against Stackhouse, who you know very well, um, and, and playing a, a top team in North Carolina. Um, and, and you guys go in there and lose 63 to 90. I know you got the technical and um, slamming. So, what, what was going on at that point? That's what that 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 was a pressure game. Like I really wanted to do well. Mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to do well. You um, and and you put too much pressure my on yourself in, in that experience. game. Excuse me. You put too much pressure on yourself that game. No question. And the inexperience shows showed. You know, like it just. You know, I just wanted to do well, and I'm not. I always had a bad type of feeling about losing or I know I like to lose, but I just, you know, I, I never handled a loss well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of that, so, and I've been dying to ask you this question. Um, you not being from here um, and not really, you know, a lot of players that, that come from out of town and, and come to Cincinnati really don't understand the magnitude and importance of the crosstown shootout and how much it means to Bearcat fans in the city um, that, that backs the Bearcats to beat Xavier. Um, and you were here, you know, so you were here and gone so quickly. Um, obviously you didn't really get your arms around the crosstown shootout, but did you understand that game and, and the, the importance of that game when you were here or did it just appear to be just another game and, because I know you said your mindset is NBA, NBA. How was that game for you? No, nah, I don't. I, I probably realized how important that game was. Probably a game before that game. You know how important it is for that city because once the hype starts, you know, I'm, I'm just from a, I'm from the south, so, uh, I'm, and I'm also a freshman, so. Uh, I'm learning as I go, but 
during that time, I had a stress fracture injury that really had me so in a depression stage hmm. that it, it kind of hampered me. It kind of hampered me. I now that that is one game that I remember um, drastically because if you from Cincinnati and you play for Cincinnati, you know the crosstown rival what that is. <laughs> yep. Yep. Where was your stress really fracture? I, I don't even think I scored when I got Man. Where was your stress yeah. fracture? I had a stress fracture in my right foot. Okay. Okay. Um, um, I think I had played a couple of games on it, but it just, you know, on a stress fracture, you actually got to let it rest to heal. But you, you you didn't have time to let it rest. No, I didn't. Then we was a we was a factory. <laughs> and at at that time, you wasn't you weren't gonna stop yourself. You couldn't stop yourself from playing. You was gonna play. It was it was a big game. So there's no way I was sitting at that game. But yeah. I know what I was limited. Yeah. Now you guys uh, went twenty two and ten for the season. Um, you guys were in the Great Midwest Conference at the time, and make it to the NCAA tournament, lose to Wisconsin. Um, talk to us a little bit about that NCAA tournament game, like your mindset, because as you were saying, right after that game, you you were set to go to the NBA. So, with that being said, what's your mindset going into the NCAA tournament, knowing you could only have a game, two, maybe three left in your college career? At this time, Hug and I—I I don't think I—I um, I, I don't think we was on the same page. I—I I, I was not because I was—I mm-hmm. I just like I said, I, I was on another motive. Like I was on a motive. I had a motive going, so I wanted to do good in the game. And and like I said, it was—it was a very selfish type of way because mm-hmm. I was just thinking about you know taking care of my mom, you know, that's all I was thinking about. Like, if I say anything else, I would be sitting here lying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I can't, even, I can't even try to dress it up to anything different than that. I wanted to make sure I got a double-double. Um, if, if worse came to worse, I wanted to play hard, but I had motives to. My number one motive was to take care of my mom and get my mom out of that predicament. Mm-hmm. Take care of my kids. Mhm. Yeah. So so let's let's go back to that story you were telling. So you said if you would have met with Hugs after that game and sat down and talked, there was a chance you could have come back for your second year. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is uh I I actually pretty much avoided him, you know what I mean? Like I, you know, I had a yeah, I had a meeting with him the next day because he was going to meet with everybody the next day. If I'm not mistaken, I may have signed a letter on a Sunday, and he probably was coming in that Sunday night to meet Monday. After the tournament, we had just lost. He didn't come all the way back. He had to go back out to finish the tournament or whatever. Mm-hmm. We lost. I guess he was, you know, he, if anything, he went recruiting or something. You know what yeah. I mean? Whatever. Yep. And, and uh, I was getting so many phone calls and 
You know what I mean? It just, I did it. Yeah. I did it. And, 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 it, and I still had the meeting with her the next day. But when I, I shouldn't have, but I looked this man in his face and told him, like, again, I, I, I saw it in his face how much he was just like, oh. <laughs> You know what I mean? I don't know if he wanted to punch me. I don't know what he wanted to <laughs> What, what, did, what, what, did, what did you say to him? What did you say to him? Now I look back on it. He gave me the look of, they got you. You should have waited on me type of thing. They got you. Like, I, I, I could have put you in a better, I could have I got, got you the truth, you know, look like. Like, you're not going to trust me. I'm the, I, I'm the one going to be honest to you. You know what I mean? That type of look. Mm-hmm. But I only know that look now because I'm looking back on the hindsight, like right. as I got mature as an older person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever think about what if if you would have stayed and played with Danny Fortson, you got a senior in Lizelle Durden, Darnell Burton, D. Flint, Art Long's in? Do you ever think about that? Uh, I I I know I spoke earlier in our conversation and said we were winning national champs. I know I know I you heard me say that. I yes, know sir. I said that throughout this talk. We we were national champ. I can't say no final four or none of that. We would have been national champ. <laughs> and it. I think Chief Legree, Chief Legree, yep. was there too, right? Yep, yeah. yep, yep. He was yeah, he, yeah, he came in as a transfer, right? Yep, he transferred yeah. in. Mhm. Yeah, you guys you guys were definitely loaded. It would have been so tough to stop you plus Danny down low, Lazelle and Darnell, shark suitors. Amen. Man. Pick your poison. It's too, no too, many, too many too many options. But hey, just like in life, man, we, we, we make our choices and we gotta live with them and you decide to go on to the NBA. Hmm? Like 
people don't know you that still to this day. So when I'm telling people I'm interviewing you, people are going crazy, man. Like, we're going to hear from Don? Do you yeah, realize that? Can, that's hard to believe, man, because some, somewhere down the line, I've made it myself that Cincinnati hates me. You know what I mean? Like, somewhere along the line, I guess I just... I just made it up. It's like, man, they don't like me because I know I cheated them. You know what I mean? That's just that's just something I gotta live with. You know what I mean? Like, I and I would if I if if I was to come to Cincinnati to see my kids or something, I keep a low profile. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like that. It's just I'm amazed that anybody wanna talk to me. You know? They they still they still love you. Um, no, American. I don't believe that. I don't Don, believe that. Don, we're, and, and I'm going to prove it to you here in a minute. We're going at the end of the podcast. I'm going to prove it to you. Okay, so we're going we're going to hold on to that. Now, I do want to dive into um, your NBA career. We'll talk a little bit about that. So, you know, you leave after your first year, which doesn't happen a lot. I mean, I, I think you were the first guy to leave after their freshman year. I don't know. Right. 16, 17 years. Um, now, when you when you were in the NBA, did you still follow the Bearcats at all? Did you even care about it, or were you just focused in on the NBA? I, I did. I did. No question. I kept in touch with the players and everything. Um, wow. Good. Yes. Do you still do you still talk to some guys today? I do. We all, we, we all Facebook friends who just takes away, you know what I mean, several older guys, the T-Nail, the, the uh, rat. <laughs> all those guys, some kind of way I keep up with them on some type of social media as I'm sure they keep up with me because I can you can see their interaction. Yep, no, for sure. Okay, so for you, the draft process, um, what was that like? Was it what you expected? Um you know what you had to go through, and did some did anything change during that process? Because you got drafted number thirty seven, which is a no guarantee contract deal, isn't that right? Because of the second round right. during that time. Okay, right. so so talk to us a little about the draft process and what you had to go through. Again, like I'm from a rural rural city in Georgia, um, small population, so. Um, just having the opportunity to go to college and be mentioned in the draft to my city was a real big deal. But mm-hmm. once it becomes business, you understand what's the difference between the first and the second round. Like once I learned that, um, um, it just started getting real. It just started mm-hmm. getting real. You know, so so um, um, and. I had about a, probably about two months to prepare, a month and a half, and you just hear different things like like the media started bringing up like my past and just all this broke me all the way down. And 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 at that time, when you see that you're you you know different people got opinion on what you're trying to do and you're everybody saying that you're going after the money, you might not be a good pick. You're just going after the fame. And understanding what situation you really in and what you've been thinking all your life, you just want to take care of your mother, and you hear people saying things like, "I'm just going to get the money and such." But I, if I, I always thought that was the point 
of the whole situation is to have a better living now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that part of the politics part started, you know, uh, started being rough to a 19-year-old kid. But, but when, I, when, when I heard my name, when the first round went by, I was crushed. Mm. It, it it was a it, it it like it did something to my ego because I didn't think that I would fall to the second round. But mm-hmm. once I got drafted, could you imagine everybody in your city happy that you you you're drafted, but they're not understanding that man. Like, yeah, that's just a draft. There's no contract or nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. And and by this time. Um, I'm in debt now. You know what I mean? Like everything is being real. Everything is becoming real after the draft. But once once you get through, you know, to your team and all of that type of stuff, I, I literally got a guaranteed contract when I first arrived. So that kind of um, assured me um, that I would definitely be on the roster with Seattle that year. Mm-hmm. So and, and and if you know basketball, that's a big deal. So, so your your time in Seattle, um, how was that time in Seattle for you? That first year. I uh, that um, I felt like I was in college. I felt like I was I was I, at that point I was the youngest person in the league. Also, so I was just a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt like I was just around a bunch of grown men, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. But at the same time, I having that freedom and and being around different people, you learn how to work hard. You learn how to, you learn what it's all about. So mm-hmm. basically that first year, I just learned everything it, you can generally learn about your first year in the league. Because you, George Carl, George Carl had assured me I was not going to play, and I had never heard that before. Before, wow. you know what I mean? Before training camp, you know what I mean? You just imagine you coming to a team and your coach, you in training camp, so you would never play as a rookie. How did that make you feel? That's rough. It, it struck my ego. It struck my ego, and it just it just made me have a a, a certain feeling for George Call. Like you, I took that personal. Hmm. Did did in some cases some athletes will motivate them to work harder. Sometimes will make them push back. To make you push back. No question, because when when at at that age, I'm 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 basically working at my craft every day. You know what I mean? Like that's what I do. If if I'm not playing, I'm trying to get ready to play. So basketball with everything, and I, I think I I may have been the more, most dedicated year. My rookie year was my most dedicated year. To just you know get to the point of wanting to prove myself. I had never had an opportunity of to just be in a situation where I. I had to prove myself. It's like I was pretty much small, mm-hmm. but when you you get to to the the, the NBA, when you and there was the four hundred best of the best, man, that's you. It becomes real. So you have to get in and fit. Mm-hmm. 
and build relationships. You have to build relationships also. Mm-hmm. And again, I didn't have those tools, so I was learning. I was learning those tools as I was going through. Mm-hmm. You felt like you were getting better at that, building those relationships? No question. Mm-hmm. No question. But, it, you know, it, 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 depression and ups and downs come with everything, though. So it's, mm-hmm. it's an up and down place. Mm-hmm. It's up and down. Mm. So, so you get to Portland, okay? Um, what's what's going on in Portland? You, you know, you got kind of a, a new a new situation, um, new coach, PJ Carlissimo, right? Wasn't that your coach? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah, PJ. So, so how was that? I enjoyed playing for PJ. PJ was if if I had to choose any coach that I played for, PJ was the coach that really gave me an opportunity to to. Uh, I can I can tell that he believed in me and and you know if 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 you don't know in the uh, basketball season is a, is a long season so you you can't stay on one thing you have to is it's whatever may be bothering you one day you have to get over it quick because the next day can bring better days mm-hmm. and, and I've had the opportunity playing with. Um, up on the PJ to have good days and bad days, good days and bad days, but I was still learning and maturing as I go. So nice. I, 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 I um, enjoy being coached so you, by PJ. You had the one situation with him, though, right, where you would go in a game, right? Right. What, that, that, was, that was a bad mistake. Was that your first year in Portland? That was my second year. That was your second. That was my okay. second year. I had um, by playing with PJ, my first year got me a contract um, for two years. So mm-hmm. in that in that first year, that two year contract, um, I wasn't happy with the playing time, and the game was basically over. And I just just said I wasn't going. I think the worst thing you can do to a coach, basically. <laughs> right. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's the way it ain't pretty much that's 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 like the worst thing you can do. Mm-hmm. That's the worst thing. You can. What did he say to you? When you're on that level, no coach is not gonna sit there and argue with you about if you're going in or not. You know what I mean? He's gonna mm-hmm. he's gonna show you the other way. He's gonna he's gonna show you the other way. I've got fine, all that type of thing, and I probably didn't. I know I didn't leave off the bench for 30 games for sure. Probably. The, the other teams, Michael Jordan asked me one time, man, why PJ ain't playing you? You know what I mean? What, what's wrong with PJ? He asked me that, and I couldn't sit there and be like, man, I refuse to go in the game. You know what I mean? I just like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what. I don't know what's wrong with him, Mike. He's crazy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Wow. But I knew I knew deep down inside. He he showed me, you know what I mean? He showed yeah. me. Yeah. 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 Um, so in your NBA career, um, you played hundred and fourteen games, scored a total of four hundred and twenty three points, uh, played four years in the NBA, you averaged ten minutes, four points and two rebounds a game. So I'm saying all that to say this. Going back to your time in, in, in high school, you know, all, all the great things you did at high school, McDonald's All-American, one and done, why 
in your eyes, didn't it work out in the NBA? Um, now, obviously, you, you've got the talent to play. I know there were some things you've talked about with your mindset, but you've got the talent to do it. Why didn't it all come together? It, it's definitely not the talent. It's I had no ability to work through adversity. I skipped that process along the way. Like, wow. I, I, I it, you know, I, I, I didn't get equipped with the full package. I had all the talent, but I didn't have... I didn't have the essentials. Like, it's essential things that you need to know before basketball, before sports, like how to how to listen before you react. I had I, I didn't have that person. Once my once my older brother went to college, I I, I was I was the I, I took his position. So I, I just kind of did things on the wing and just just. Everything was given to me. I was a pretty much small high school basketball player, basically. Mm-hmm. I was a small basketball player from a small city that a city everybody wanted to see me succeed, and that's that's what it was. Do you see that, like what you're talking about now? Now that you've been through it, and you can you can speak about it um, when you watch players today. You even watch college or the NBA. Do you see other players in today's game that are like that? Like, do you just watch it and say, yep, he's going through what I went through? I, I actually see, like, I see guys that are more educated into learning, you know, um, like, representing, I'm looking at these younger guys, no matter what they go through, they're going to have some adversity. They're going to have mm-hmm. some image issues. They're going to have uh, ego tripping. But most of them are smart guys, like go to school. Like I just shun school. You know what I mean? Like like I, I just, I grew up too fast. But these young guys, at least they stay in their moments. Mm-hmm. You know, like being a boy but wanting to be a man too fast can damage you. Yeah. And I'm a product of that. I'm a product of that. Mm. Yes, yeah, that's, that's real. I, I think about some athletes. I mean, <clears throat> you look at Tiger Woods, and people can say what they want about how tremendous his golf career has been, but he was forced to be – um, a star and an adult really, really quickly. And I had a friend, Don, who when, when Tiger was at his height, I had a friend who was a big-time golf like fanatic and knew other golfers. He told me, Tiger's going to crash. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, you, you mean he's just going to start playing bad? He goes, no, his life's going to crash. And he was right, and he saw it. And kind of like what you said, like growing up too fast, there's stages that Tiger missed. Right. Right? Learning opportunities that he missed, mistakes that he could have made early on that when you're in the nest, like a college or a high school, they can protect you from that, and you can learn and make those mistakes. And now he – right? Yeah, that's true. And let's let's Uh, talk quickly. That's that's totally it. Go ahead. Don? You said, what did you say? No, go ahead. No, say what you're going to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I totally understand. I didn't have a, a lot of hugs and 
Moeller, Harrison to make help me become a man. I, I skipped that process. Mm-hmm. And those are things not on the court. Those are things that, you know, off the court because there are, at the University of Cincinnati, there are things in place to help you grow into a young man, man yeah. the way you're supposed to. And and I just you know I just wanted to do things my own way. I had a, a whole other motive because just um I'm, I was a situation. I, it's just the situation the way I looked at things. I I didn't have anyone to be the yin to my yang. Like I didn't allow hugs to, to tell me well if you just wait one more year you can be it. Like that's all I needed. I didn't wait for <laughs> him. Yep, yep. It's just as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to talk about this. Um, in 1998, um, back in Georgia, um, you had a car accident, and it's another situation that kind of changed your life. Okay, can you talk about that a little bit and what happened? Yeah, one, one thing I want to say before all of this um, that I, I just got to let everybody know that I, I am a very, very, very strong, strong individual. Like um, I've been through a lot of things. Like and to be where I'm at and then um, having the ability to, to communicate with you now, in which I never really interviewed well or, or did interviews or anything like that. So I'm in a good place. Uh, Absolutely. With it. Uh, so, yeah, I had a, uh, in 98, uh, it was like the day before, everything was everything was going good. I'm um, getting ready to go to campus to Washington, um, sign a, to sign a, a, a contract. And that night, it was raining, and out of nowhere, a deer appeared, and I got into a, a single-car accident where my car flipped, and um, I broke my back in four or five, different places, my ankles. I basically ended my career. And and, and and I don't think I had never been into that. That had to be one of my lowest points, uh, being in the uh, uh, hospital for three months, all, the, all those type of things. Um, at a young age, I, I think I probably have been about, 20, about 24, 25. Mm-hmm. It wasn't easy. It wasn't me. Hmm. So when you when you were in that hospital and you know you've you've got these injuries, did the doctors tell you? Did you know my basketball career is over? I don't think they wanted to tell me that because I I think I was still saying that it, it could be possible. Because uh, at that point they wasn't even letting me see a mirror to see the damage that had, what was done to my face. So I don't think they. Uh, once I did wake up and all that type of stuff, it didn't take long for me to understand from my own injuries and what I was going through that, man, it's going to be impossible. So through that time, um, I had to get the life skills that I was running from, and I had to get them the hard way. And God sat me down to be able to, to fully understand and get a grasp. There wasn't nobody to get me out of this situation or none of that. So um, I accepted it. Uh, it was very hard. There was nothing easy about it. You know what I mean? Nothing. But uh, to be here now to tell my story, I've seen this 
during the time of my injuries, being able to fully explain who I am to people that don't really know me but are interested in me. Mm-hmm. So, so something like this that we're doing, this long-form interview, um, is it therapeutic for you to talk about this in, in your story and share it with people and have – when people hear this, Don, they're going to be like, this is an amazing interview to hear him articulate everything that happened and have a full understanding of it. Is it therapeutic for you? No question. Um, it actually – it helps me make sense of everything I've been through. Mm-hmm. The, you know, uh, just, you know, having people to want to hear my story, like they, they get the call from you to want to hear my story, and no question, I'm, I I would love to talk to you about that. Like, it's no, it's no pressure because I'm, I'm just, I'm for sure what I have to say can help somebody. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt about it. So when I called you, were you, I know, I know T-Nell is the one that connected us because, you know, let me, I didn't tell you the story how it happened. Um, I have an AAU basketball program here in Cincinnati, and one of my teams was playing, and Terry Nelson was refing the game, and, and he got finished. And um, he was like, hey, who are you interviewing next on your podcast? And I mentioned, like, Herb Jones, Damon Flint. He was like, man, you need to get Don Tonio. And I'm like, man, I don't even know Don. He was like, you don't know Don? He's like, Mount Texan. And the rest was history. And then I and he sent me your contact. And I called you, and you were like, "So were you kind of shocked that I even wanted to talk to you about this?" Well, you know, um, for, I've been working in my community for well over fifteen years now. So mm-hmm. uh, I am a, and I and I live in my hometown where I'm born and raised, and and I'm like I said, I'm in a small city. And to me, I mean a lot to my city. So I do a lot of things in the community from where I played ball, where I grew up at, all those things that made me me early on. I'm back in those same areas helping kids like me. So now I'm, I am equipped with sharing my story because I've been doing it. And, and I, you know, it's it just like I, I, I have to. You know what I mean? I have to share my story. I just have to. So how do the how do the kids that you speak to that you work with and I want to I do want to get into details of what you do in your community, but how do they react to you? Because a lot of them didn't see you play. They can Google right. how great you were, but I think there's a little bit of a difference between like them seeing you play versus Googling. How do they react to you and your story? It's like it's like like I say, like everything rotate around being from a small city, but their moms and dads and grandmothers, oh, they tell those kids who I am, and it'd be like, you played NBA ball? It'd be so easy, you know? And they'd be, they just can't believe you ain't played no ball. I may have a kid be like, what your, what your Rolls Royce say? You know what I mean? They may say something right. like that. You know? right. it's, it's just being from a small city, you can do a lot from your community as as a person if if you just if you're just around. You know what I mean? So I respect I respect my presence, my um my statue, I respect you being a leader in the community. I just I know what I needed growing up as a young kid. So it's it's real easy to be a leader or uh to help the community. It's easy because I know what I need. Mm, for sure. So okay. 
So tell us exactly what you do in the community and all the different activities, programs that you have set up. Okay, I'm a co-founder of the Pivot Family Foundation where we just help underprivileged kids and um, all the, from the north to the south of Albany, Georgia. We have feeding programs. We have after-school programs. We have AAU basketball. We just have all, all kind of things, boxing, everything that you would you will want a kid to do other than idle time. We try mm-hmm. to keep them busy and... um since the COVID-19 have slowed everything up, but that's what basically what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Do you ever see a kid and, you know, that you're working with, see yourself and you're like, I, I got to do this and that to make sure this kid doesn't go down that road. Not that, not that a kid's going to be as, cause you were, you, you like LeBron and, and a couple others were, were freaks of nature and not a lot generational talent, but do you ever just see things in kids like, I know exactly what he or she's going through? Most definitely not as much in talent, but as in, like, I work at the same gym that I grew up in playing in as a young kid. Like, right around the corner from my neighborhood, I'm in that same gym. So every kid that walks in there is Mm -hmm. like me. So Mm -hmm. it's it's like a given. You're like, you know, it's every kid that walk in there, uh, walk in my prison is like me. Is that is that the Henderson? Is it was it called the Henderson Community Center? Yes, Henderson okay. Community Center. Is it still called that to this day? Yes. Yep. Now t- tell us about the book. Okay, it can't, did it come out in 2018? Is that right? It came out January 2019. So okay. uh, Chasing Success, Finding Purpose. It's basically a book. It's not so much about um, every little thing about me, but uh, it's more of a legacy thing for my kids to understand who I am, uh, what I went through, um, how they came about, what I was thinking. Just basically uh, a memoir to my kids of my journey and just mm-hmm. motivation. Um, um, it I. In 2010, I started writing the book, um, and I uh, finally got it. It's on Amazon, so um, I've been getting good reviews on it, um, and all the proceeds go to the, the foundation. Gotcha. And it's called Chasing Success, Finding I'm, Purpose, yes. the Antonio Wingfield story, and it's available on Amazon. Yes, and I have I have a documentary all wrapped up, ready to drop. I was going to drop it 2000, early 2020, but the COVID mm-hmm. dropped, so uh, be looking for that to be dropping pretty soon within the next year or so. Because I'm telling you, this uh, I'm going to tell you, this is definitely a movie, a documentary that I think would help a lot of a lot of young athletes. They need they need to hear this story. Um, I really believe that. So um, I want to do a couple things left here on the, on the podcast here. One of the things I do at the end, I do this uh, quick questions, quick answers with all my guests. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions and just shoot off some quick answers. All right, you ready? Yeah. Okay, quick questions, quick answers with D'Antonio Wingfield. Number one, first question. If you could do your life all over again, Don, 
would you still be a basketball player or would you pursue something differently? Oh, of course I'd be a basketball player. Hey, I, I'd be a basketball player. For sure. Okay. Number two, I want you to go back to your Bearcat days, all right? You're in the locker room, getting ready to play Butler, your first game of your college career, and you're in the locker room, you got your headphones on. What pump-up song are you listening to? What music were you listening to at that time? Like in 90, 90, that's 93 or 94, right? 1994. Yep, 93. Mm-hmm. Master P, T-R-U. <laughs> <laughs> You're to P? Master P. Master P, T-R-U. Uh... All day. Yeah. <laughs> that's too good. That's too good. Yeah, you, you're a Southern guy, so P was big in the South. No No question. Were you were you in the league? Was he because he had a short stint in the league? Were you before or after? We're playing town. I think he's ninety eight. He think he's ninety eight. Okay, okay. Good old P, man. I love it. I love it. <clears throat> okay. No question. Question number three. What is your favorite nickname that people have for you? Because there are a ton of nicknames: the Don, Baby Shack, all this. What's your favorite nickname? The Don. They call me the Don around here. Mm-hmm. That's your favorite. I like it. Okay. Question number four. And I I'd written this question up, you know, obviously a while ago. And after listening to all the things you you have to say, I'm interested to hear your answer to this because you said that during your time at the Bearcats, you feel like you you kind of cheated your teammates. But my question is, during your time with the Bearcats, if you could pick one teammate that you played with, okay, and you had to go to war and you went to battle, but you could have one teammate go with you, what teammate do you take with you, Don? Man, I, I'm not going to answer that one. I say hugging. I say hug. Hug. Hugs. I like it. No one's ever done that. No one's ever took yeah. hugs. I like it. I love it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I told you I was going to come back around to this. This is one of the last things I want to talk about. When I tweeted out that you were coming on, people were so excited. People were like, man, I've never heard Don's story. You know, he's this kind of mythological guy, that, that personality we never hear from. Um, one of the Mo, – Mo Egger, who is um, one of the radio – personality on ESPN 1530, he tweeted me back and he wanted you to know that you were his first round pick. They do this, there's a um, a website called The Athletic, and they did a mock draft of all the Huggins era players. And Mo Egger from ESPN 1530, you were his first round pick. So back when I tell you, these people love you in this city. You don't believe me. Bearcat fans love you. There's one right there. Mo Ager is a Cincinnati guy. He's a Bearcat fan, and he works for ESPN 1530. Um, Travis Holmes tweeted at me, and he said that he read your book, and he loved it, and he's excited to hear more about your work with the kids in Albany, which we did. We talked about that. Um, one, uh, Cincy Huffman, he tweeted me, and he wanted to know, and we know the answer to this now, but when you stepped on the court, 
what was your motivation? And your motivation was to get to the league, right? That's right. Help take care of my mom. Take care of children. Yep, absolutely. Um, so I had a ton of tweets. I just I just read a couple to you, man. I have fifteen or twenty just just fans asking questions. One fan said that you were the first Bearcat jersey he ever had. Blah blah blah. So you you need to understand, Don, that that people people do people do love you here in Cincinnati. That's amazing, man. I just and within the last month, I I've been tracking down all of my jerseys that I played in, and I finally had tracked down one of my Cincinnati jerseys in Cincinnati from a, a auctioneer, and he w- was willing to to sell it back to me, but I don't I didn't know how he got it, but the I, when I finally got that jersey, man, it meant so much because I, I just left Cincinnati. I didn't, I hadn't seen no jersey or anything, but to get that jersey back in my hand, man, meant a lot to me. Wow! So I need you to. I have my Cincinnati jersey. I need you to do me a favor. I need you to take that jersey. And I need you to to hold it up and have somebody take a picture of you holding that and send it to me. If you I can do that. that. I will really appreciate okay. that. I appreciate it. Um, do you still follow the Bearcats today? I do. I do. Every For every league championship, I, I buy a hat. I get a hat sent to me, and I wear wow. it with pride. Yes. <laughs> wow, no. that makes me smile. That's awesome. No question. Now, I'm a, I'm a, I am a Bearcat. I am a Bearcat. No, I'm, I'm a Bearcat. There's no, uh, I didn't even hey, visit another school. I didn't even visit another school. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, a Bearcat. Now, do you know Coach Brandon very well, the new head coach? Do you know of him? I've, or I've been reading about him. I've been reading okay. about him. Now, so, Don, I'm going to see him Friday. So I've got to do an interview with him for um, a TV website thing on Friday. So I'm going to be with him. And I'm going to tell him, because he and I have been talking quite a bit about bringing former players back, having them talk to the current team. And I'm going to tell him that he needs to have you come back and you need to tell your story to the current players. We need to get you to a game and we need to get you to half court. And I want the Bearcat fans to show you love. Are you down with that, Don? I'm too shy for that, man. Hey, I would love it, but boy, that would be unbelievable. Oh, oh, I'm, you can oh, just say, if, if, if that happened, you can just suck me up with butter. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don, it's a come on, you. Hey, you know how long I was. I wanted to come back and just go to a game. You know what I mean? Or just, I just didn't. I don't know why I made that up in my head. Like Cincinnati hate me. I don't know where I get that from. Don, you you made that up in your head, man. Because people, I, did. I, I guarantee you, that crowd will be on their feet. Cheering for yeah. I, I, man, it's twenty some years later, man. I don't believe that. You have to show me. You gonna have to show me. Okay, we're gonna get you here. We got, I got you on the tickets. You don't even have to worry about that. I got you on the tickets. I'm gonna make sure that coach has you come talk to the kids, bring your book, and get it to the players. Uh, it's it's a done deal. I'm gonna make sure that happens. All right. Man, that that sounds good. Okay, we're definitely gonna do that. Well, hey, man, this is. Uh, I was so excited um, to do this interview just because your story is just so fascinating. And I appreciate you sharing it. I, I, I'm happy 
for the place you're at. Um, mentally, the space you're in, you sound great as far as like where you are in life, your life's purpose, Don, man, I'm happy for you. And I'm looking to finally meet you in person, man, and, and, uh, and chop it up for sure. That's right. That's cool, man. I, I appreciate you having me, man. I was excited myself. I've been had the opportunity to think about this for about two weeks. Yeah. And man, man, hey, I had fun and I appreciate you. Yeah, no problem at all. And don't forget, and I'm going to text you to remind you, please send me that picture of you holding up that Bearcat jersey. And if you got that hat, too, with one of them championship hats, conference ones, put that on. I, w- I want to I wanna put that out there, too, on social media. No, I have to because I'm going to need you to put it on put it, put it, it on your thing so people won't think I'm lying. You know what I mean? So they can be stupid. Like, I'm not lying, y'all. I'm for real. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. No, this was this was great, man. This was this was one of my favorite interviews so far, man. Definitely one of my favorites. So, Don, it was great to great to catch up. Let's uh, let's keep in touch, and I promise you, I'm gonna talk to Coach Brandon on Friday about this, and I'm gonna reach back out to you. We're gonna we're gonna make that happen. We're gonna get you back. All right. All right. Take care, man. All right, brother. Appreciate it. Be safe. I want to thank everybody for listening to our special episode, our interview series of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. And once again, you can follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. Also on Facebook and LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. On Snapchat, at BigMeach41. And soon to be on TikTok. I appreciate everybody listening to the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. Go Bearcats.